You know what's great about life sometimes is that you you get to see what someone really wanted to be, like what their true destination destinations should have been. Like I've never really figured out what that should have been for me, but I every time I watch golf, I know it's like what you should have been. That's true. Like that is yeah, you, man. That should have been me. God didn't give me the gift, man. He gave me like D1 hockey gift and that was it. Yeah, it's terrible. I know, but you know, you're right. I can't complain. But it just would have been well, cool. I was like, what did I get? <laughs> it just would have been cool if it was like D1 college uh, golf gift. That would sweet. Yeah. Because that could have made my living fucking playing golf. There you go. Like being a golf pro in Florida. Most hockey guys get are really good at golf, though, aren't they? Yeah, most are. I feel like that's but not a- all. That's a bit of a misnomer, but yes, a lot of guys are awesome. So, okay. I'm not one of those guys. Oh, man, I, I was going to say you're pretty good. But even, like, you know, even those guys, like, there's only a handful maybe that could, like, play college golf, even though the good yeah. guys are good. Sure. You know, but still. It would have been nice to be a D1 college golfer because you're going to fucking live in Phoenix or live in Florida or some shit. Run around trying to fucking fuck super hot, like, 35-year-old housewives. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And that always would have been awesome from, like, age 20 to age like, 50. Like, that never would have not been awesome. Caddying in the summer? Yeah. Like, taking rich dudes for their money on the yep. fucking course. <laughs> fucking amazing. Incredible. I still I still can't believe That's Slats. That's true. I wonder, if, I wonder if NCAA golf is the dirtiest of sports. It might be. <laughs> I still can't believe Slats is a fucking accountant. Mm. I still can't believe it. It's fucking amazing to me. Like, really? You have your whole life to be an accountant. Yeah, you got this like this fucking gift mm-hmm. that you can just play golf and fuck chicks the rest of your life. Sounds sounds good to me. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I think if I was if I was presented with that option, I would take it. Yeah. Instead, he's a fucking accountant. He's like, I can't play, man. It's fucking taxis. I'm like, really? <laughs> fucking what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's fucking tax season. <laughs> Super Bowl tax season. <laughs> He's probably making a ton of money. Good for him. Yeah, fuck, absolutely, it's man. It's not worth yeah. it. It's not worth it. You cannot put a price on playing golf and fucking chicks the rest of your life. That is one job I would never. I, that's one job I can't comprehend whatsoever. What account? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so dry, too, on I top know. of it, right? It's like one extreme. It's like the best thing in the world, the worst thing in the world. They chose the worst thing in the world. <laughs> tax season. So here's the best thing in the world, and here's the worst thing in the world. Mm. You choose. Yep. I'll go with the worst thing in the world. I'll say this. I, I love my account. But he probably loves me yeah. at this shit. I'm, well, not, sure. I'm not shitting yeah. on him. He's awesome. I love him. No, we're not shitting on him. I'm just, it. like, mystified by his choice in life. That's all. Mis- I lo- mystified. I love my account. He he says the same thing every time, every year. It's like, all right, let's let's find... Let's find that. Uh, let's find that refund, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm always ending up paying, you know, pay, owing whatever. But ever, so I think to myself, I wonder how many times he uses that line every day, for how many years. Oh yeah, that's. Like, I love it. It's a go-to line. Yeah, it's a great line. Let's find that discount. Yeah, let's find that exception. <laughs> Are we feeling that refund this let's, year? Let's find like that sure, but it's not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you buttered me up. Anyways, what's going on, man? I fucking hate taxes too. I mean, I hate like I feel like it's always fucking like so. Like last year, the backlog because of fucking COVID was ridiculous. So mm-hmm. didn't get to them like September. 
Also, it's fucking tax season again. Like, what the fuck? I know. Yeah, it's true. Really? The <laughs> fuck? I just sent you the goddamn check like fucking a month ago. Never ends. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You get absolutely nothing for it. That's the that's kicker. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. The kicker. Oh, uh, Main Man Flavors. Sorry. Main Man Flavors. You can get something if you get Main Man Flavors. It's going to be hot, great hot sauces, relishes, teriyaki sauce. It's all good. MainManFlavors.com. Uh, check it out today online and select stores in and around the main coast, which we are getting closer to that uh, ever-loving, beautiful weather. So, uh, MainManFlavors.com. Also, HobbsAndDanks.SellMyTees.com. We have a plethora of shirts. There are two in the works right now that aren't done yet, but They're being worked one on. will be probably out what do we, when do we want to release that one do we want, like on opening day or like the week of opening day what nesson yeah yeah i think open yeah that, yeah so that. we're gonna yeah, have a, maybe like the week leading up to it people are yeah. starting to get fired up yeah we'll have a really fun shirt for right at the beginning of baseball season and then uh also working on a on a on a i think it's a shirt that will resonate beyond just the game of hockey as the canadians like to call it because it's more about a direction that you should take in life opposed to the other direction that many want to take in life. That'll be a really nice shirt, I think, for you Do folks. I know what it is? You do. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. It's the Tuca shirt. Oh. <laughs> What's it going to say? <laughs> do I know this? You do, Hob. It's this. Is it the three? Be, be a Timmy. Oh, yes, that's right. Not a Tuca. <laughs> be a Timmy. Don't be a Tuca. Sometimes in life, you got to decide. You're going to yeah. be a Timmy or you're going to be a Tuca. Yeah, so that's. I like that. That would be a fun shirt to have out there, but uh, you can check all that stuff out. Hobsandanks.sellmytees.com. Coming up today or later, coming up today, how about later in this podcast? You will hear a a special guest that we had on this week. It was Siraj Hajmi from many things. Of course, online is probably the one that, or on Twitter, I should say, is the one that probably jumps at it to most people. He does the list uh, where he basically just calls out hypocrisy wherever he can find it, which is impossible to do. I mean, it's basically impossible for him to do daily on on Twitter. Like, I feel like he would need like a million people to really find it all. But what he does is oh, geez. every day, brilliant. It's yeah, all day fucking long. It's yeah. See, so. <laughs> also works for the Washington Examiner. Has a podcast with them. Uh, you'll hear all of uh, about uh, that as well. So that's uh, you'll hear from him coming up in a little bit. I really appreciate him for joining us this week. That was really cool of him. And uh, yeah, other than that, what's happening, Hav? Well, which way you want to go here, buddy? What do we got? Well, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, which way do you want to go? <laughs> Did you have a direction you were thinking? Well, no. I mean, the usual bullshit, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's just interesting that we have enough money to bomb Syria, but we don't have enough money to like, give people their fucking check. <laughs> well, but luckily we bombed them with trans-friendly bombs, so we're we're good. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think as long as it's the progressive bombing that we like to see, Hav, I think all but well is good. We're fine. It took what did it take like two weeks to get back to the American War Machine? Yeah, where's fucking what's that dickhead's name from Deadspin? True Majory? is that his name? Yeah, where's his World War Three article today? <laughs> that is true. Like, That's... where the fuck is it? Because yeah. I remember clearly a very hysterical World War Three article written about four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering where that is today. That was a an incredible. That was an incredible piece of literature four years ago when that came out. I should name that. The collage of greatness that. for Trump's presidency would be amazing. That's true. I was just thinking. Like about I don't that. know if you yeah. could. You'd have to build. You'd have to put it on the Great Wall of China, though. There's fucking endless material. You would never run out of shit to put on there, ever. That's true. It would be like you know what it'd be. It'd be like a wing of something where it's just always there's like a never ending scroll that you look up and watch as the scroll goes by. It's just more and more from that era. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could literally paste it on. Maybe if you use both sides of the Great Wall of China, you could probably fit it all on there. Yep. That'd be awesome. Collage of greatness. It just covers the Great Wall of China from end to end. <laughs> Damn it. I th- oh, you know what? I think old Deadspin is dead. So I think they, I don't know if they archived everything. Oh, probably not. Probably not the most embarrassing shit yeah. like that. Right. <laughs> well, it's like that dickhead yesterday. Who's that guy? NFL scout guy that was fucking deleted all his fucking Stidham, deleted all his fucking Stidham posts. Oh well, at least it seems like it because yeah. we were doing searches for Stidham and there was nothing there. So he either has never tweeted about Stidham or yeah. So he wrote was, the article but never tweeted about it. Yeah, oh. that's what it seems like. But it's kind of odd to think that way. Or even if you're a draft scout, why don't you have tweets from? Like any era talking about Jared Stidham, he was in a draft, so you'd think you would talk about it. So it's a little weird. So I, I don't know, man. But just even to have that thought that Jared Stidham is that good is insane. <laughs> the, you know, the draft job is amazing. There's really no accountability. No, no one ever yeah. goes back to see what yeah. people said about guys. And I'm not, really. I mean, you remember like the big misses, but because, there's a lot of other misses. Well, don't you? I, to me at least, I feel like. I feel like if you're a draft guy, you're kind of like a coach where you need to be held accountable. Whereas, you know, writers who are just kind of predicting wins and losses or championships, that's I feel like that's more of just like a guess where these draft guys, I mean, they're telling you everything, right? They're giving you the goods. They're selling. I feel like they're just selling you bullshit. See, I feel like those guys, though, like they know where guys are going to be drafted, but they don't necessarily know about like what makes a player good. No talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Mel Kiper would tell you all day where he mm-hmm. thinks a guy's going to get drafted because there's all that information, but it doesn't mean that he knows where. So what you're saying is basically they're probably just really tied into agents. Yeah, that's what I yeah. think it is. Yeah. And teams, right? Yeah. And you know, sure. Well, we know they're tied shit. into teams. Yeah. yeah. So they're clearly tied into agents yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think that's really it. And, and honestly, everyone thinks they're a fucking NFL scout now. Like, everybody, like, puts up their, like, scouting that is true. quarterbacks and shit. It's like, mm-hmm. really? I know. It's You're weird. a dude that, like, works in, like, does a blog. Like, why do you? <laughs> like, it's weird. But everybody in the world does it. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if, like, well, I, everyone, and everyone's breaking down. I mean, how many times are you just going through your, your, your you know, on Twitter on a Monday and Tuesday and. Everyone, including got like, there all eleven, right? Like even even your fucking barbers out there with the all twenty twos, like breaking down, like why it didn't work out for Cam. It's like what? <laughs> you see here, qu- clearly Nikhil Harry yeah. made the wrong read. I mean, and- I can tell you, he, he fucking sucked. <laughs> 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 That's why it didn't work. 
It is the most complicated sport with most people pretending to know the most about it. Which is kind of awesome for the NFL. They've got to love it, man. It's amazing. And and I'm bitching about it, but it it is awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. great. Yeah, it's nuts. Fucking never-ending. It's a fucking juggernaut. I could, could could, like, talk about, write about, like, listen about the NFL every single day. Because it's so fascinating. So many fucking pieces that have to fit. Dude, did you you see any of the... Nickelodeon game? No. Okay, so I, I watched. I mean, I watched the whole game. Just yeah. None of it on oh yeah, yeah. So I watched like a quarter of it. I am not in their demo. I don't have children. I uh, I'm 40 years old. I don't ne- want to listen to you know 14 year olds talk about football. I sat oh, there. Is it kids like broadcasting? Well, the game some too? are, but you also yeah. had like Nate Burleson. So you had both. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't doing a ton of it. You know, it was more like, oh, look at that crazy play. You know, so. But again, I watched it for a half, uh, like a half hour, a quarter. I fucking loved it. It was really? awesome. Really? First off, is the NFL, but just seeing like this is what they're doing, and you got to just you tip your cap to well, what this league cool. just continues yeah. to do. Yeah, I, I think it's like cool. I'll never, I'll probably never watch it again. But the fact that I wasn't just a gas buyer to being like this is fucking stupid just shows you the power of football, man. See, I, I don't think I'd put it on just because I wouldn't want Izzy to be like, Daddy, if we're gonna watch football, go watch it like this. Exactly. Like, no. <laughs> Well, yeah, she already knows too much about football where that's already beyond. Right, yeah. 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 So, like, you know, she she knows. Like, that's how I, I would like to watch a game with my nieces like that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they dig it. They would love yeah. that. Yeah, that would be cool, actually. That would be fun. Well, my daughter can't watch, like, a whole game, but she'll sit there right, and watch, sure. like, you know. Sure. If she's got her, like, she'll sit there all day with mm-hmm. me. She's got her, if she's got, like, her iPad. Mm-hmm. She'll fucking sit right next to me all day and watch her, her horrible crap on her yeah. iPad while I <laughs> Oh, I watch football. It's awesome. I love that. The wife's like, Jesus Christ. Fucking <laughs> on TV for eight hours. My old daddy is. <laughs> That's the problem, right? <laughs> oh, well. Why don't you guys go do something? You mean like watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's what I tell her. I'm like, why don't you? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or you just go. Go shopping. Mm-hmm. Go Get out of here. Izzy's good. We're reading a book. Yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah. She's learning all about Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's good storytelling. And she knows, you know, if you ask her, if you ask her, like, hey, Ponga, what do the, the Pats do? What do the Patriots do? She goes, they cheat. Like, it's right. <laughs> Have you told her about the 86 Mets yet? No. Oh, I mean. Okay. When, I, when is that? Is that like 10, 11? She just wouldn't listen to it. Yeah. She'd be like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Like she knows what the Mets are, and she yeah. knows Daddy loves the Mets. But mm-hmm. I tried to tell her about '86. She'd be like, "Okay, peace." Is there is there a good documentary about the '86 Mets? Not a great one. I was gonna say that book, the book, uh, the team everybody hated, or yeah, yeah, or what? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a that's great, something something like that. It's a great book, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never read it, which is a huge. I, I definitely should read that book. That book's probably awesome. But that's the only that's the only really thing I think I you know. It'd be cool, though. I don't know how many guys are going to get into the nitty-gritty of it, though, now. You know, like, Keith Hernandez is, like, all respectable and shit, you know. You never know. Sometimes He's a good dude, though. They so might, he might just be like, hey, listen, we partied our asses and off. He, and when they do talk about it, he is super honest about it, mm-hmm. so maybe he would, you know. Like, yeah, I'm sure Dr. <laughs> Dr. Coke and Daryl would probably be pretty honest. If, <laughs> there's been documentaries about them, <laughs> you know. Everybody knows what they did, so. Doc's still alive, right? Like, miraculously? Yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if they did a. Oh, ESPN did do a, a, a multi 
Yeah, but it was like on Doc and Daryl, I think, because I saw it. It was pretty good. Was it about the team? I thought it was mostly about them. Oh, it might not be out yet. I saw they did something on Doc and Daryl. I don't know if it was ESPN or HBO, but someone did something. Because I remember watching it. Oh, okay. Doc was still all fucked up. <laughs> still doing coke and shit. Yeah, I guess there's one. Uh, there's a multi-part uh, 30 for 30 that either came out must recently or isn't out yet. So that there you go. I mean, you'd have to think it would be just amazing. Oh, no, it is out. Really? Yeah. Right. Gosh, I'll totally missed it, it last year. Oh, wait. No, it's Doc and Daryl. It is the one oh, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that, I mean, that because that is. Especially when they're your childhood heroes. That's an iconic team, man. <laughs> My childhood heroes are fucking Dwight Good and Daryl Strawberry and Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> you had no chance. And I loved Lenny, too. I loved Lenny Dykstra when he played for the Mets. He was fucking awesome. Who is the drugged out hockey player you loved in the 80s? Jeez, I don't know. Probert's too old. He was too young, right? Yeah, well, 90s. 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, like Derek Sanderson was before my mm-hmm. time. So I don't know. Oh, probably Grant Fuhrer. He's a huge cokehead. <laughs> Kelly Rudy was a partier, right? I don't know. He he was like a chick guy. Mm. I don't know like if he was a drug druggy dude, but he he definitely Partied. was a chick guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's playing in LA like super hot girls would show up because he'd wear this big bandana <laughs> hanging out of his fucking helmet and shit. <laughs> And he's like, I just remember like watching an LA King. There's like these three incredibly smoking hot blonde chicks wearing like the Kelly Rudy band. They're like, yeah. We love you, Kelly Rudy. I'm like, Fuck, that guy's awesome. The NHL in the '80s, baby. Yeah, I love hate thing with Kelly Rudy. I fucking loved him because of that, but mm-hmm. I hated the way he played because he was so he was a street hockey goalie. No, like I don't know how he stopped the puck. Like he's always facing the wrong way and shit. And but he fucking he made every save look amazing because he was always out <laughs> of position. But he was awesome because fucking chicks just loved him. It was, it was, it was awesome. That's sweet. But I hated him. I loved him at the same time. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I'm too young for it. I don't remember him at all, sadly. Yeah. Other than like video games, I guess. But yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, he always sucked on video games yeah. too. He's fucking awful. Was he? Yeah, he's awful. He's awful. <laughs> he just he was. Well, that's true because the the I feel like the Kings always sucked. Well, yeah, so he was there when Gretzky got traded and they yeah. got to the cup finals, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't good enough in that series. It's mm. a big part of the reason they lost, actually. But <laughs> That Marty McSorley's illegal fucking curve on his stick, that fucking idiot. <laughs> You're never going to score anyway, Marty. What the fuck? Oh, wait, he got tossed? Oh, that's right, he got no, tossed? No, he, he got a penalty. Oh, fucking. Penalty? Got, so Montreal knew he had an illegal curve. They're down, I think, 3-2 to two, or 2-1. So, two to one. First off, how do you know the other team has an illegal curve? Because there's like, if it's like a fucking banana, you know, like it has yeah. to be pretty pronounced though mm-hmm. for the other team. So, it, you know, like this idiot's out there with a fucking hook that's so illegal. I yeah. was like, so I think, I think they were <laughs> fucking banana. They were up like two to one or three to two with like, with like two minutes left and fucking Montreal, I think it was Jacques Demers called the fucking, called it. You know, it's like, check his stick. They did fucking pound. They score on the power play, go to OT, fucking lose an OT. So that was game one. If you call for it and you're wrong, do you get the Delay penalty? Game. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you that's know how our court that's, sy- why, that's how our court system should absolutely. Work. That's yeah. why you don't see it often. Like mm-hmm. your hook has to be super illegal for the other team to want to call it because the risk is pretty. But anyway, so they fucking so it was like a minute left or two minutes left. They can fucking get the penalty, they fucking mm-hmm. score, and then in overtime they score. I think Montreal swept them. We're beat them four to one or something. But that was I think game one. 
if they win that game, it's totally fucking different, right? Wayne's mm-hmm. fucking up one nothing, and you know, Kelly Rudy's killing it. And fucking Jesus Christ! So they get the fucking illegal. It's like one of the. It's like a Chris Weber type moment, honestly. It's, I mean, it's hockey, so no one yeah. gives a shit or knows about it. But it's, it's one of like the all time shitty fucking moments. <laughs> like if that was if that was like football or baseball, like everyone would know. Everyone would know. Like about you said, that. it's like the Chris Weber timeout. Yeah, yeah. everyone would know yeah. about it. It's awful. Yeah, I was so pissed. I'm still. I can remember this day how mad I was because I fucking hated the Canadians. I still do. I was so mad. It's like you fucking idiot. <laughs> still mad. Like, do you even need to? Do you even need to have that? Not when you suck. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking amazing. Like the one dude, the one fucking guy that's never going to score a goal gets called for a legal curve. you fucking serious. Do you think Wayne told him to do it? Wayne was probably like, you fucking dummy. <laughs> but he protected Wayne his whole life, so yeah. what's he going to say? Right? Oh, that's true, because he was in Edmonton, right? Oh, yeah he, was, yeah, he was like Wayne's personal bodyguard. Yeah. Like, coked out bodyguard. <laughs> oh, uh, this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. You know what I learned today, which I didn't know? Mm. Do you know when the Germans invaded? Well, first of all, all right. Well, do you know when the Germans first in World War II when they first yep. invaded France, Belgium, and Holland and shit that like all their fucking uh, infantry was on crystal meth? I did not know that. Yeah, this is a true yeah. story. Okay. They gave them this. It, it, you find out. I forget the name of the drug, but it says on the fucking drug like meta, fucking whatever that's called, sure. whatever meth is really called. What's it called? Methamphetamine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Methamphetamine. It said right on the fucking methamphetamine and whatever the crystal part is. Mm -hmm. And it says right on the fucking packaging. So when they blitzkrieged, it took three days. They thought it was going to take, the French thought it would take them two weeks to get to France. It took them three fucking days. (laughs) They didn't fucking stop once. No one slept for three days. And they're all on crystal meth. And you're super brave when you're on crystal meth and shit too, right? So like, no, I'm more afraid of dying. And they're all like, so you had like an army of like hundreds of thousands of dudes on crystal meth fucking charging at fucking France and and, and Holland and fucking and uh, fucking Belgium. Isn't that crazy? That is fucking nuts. I did not know that. I had never heard that. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Was that from the World War II in Color show? Yeah, but wow. a different one. This oh, one okay. was like big like big events in World War II oh, in right. Color, and yeah. they like go into this whole no thing, shit. and they show the fucking like, package they gave them. Like, <laughs> legit was fucking crystal meth. It's, it's tablets. Their whole fucking army was like crystal meth. I almost like, I almost like, give the French a break now. I'm like, well, I mean, fuck. You're going up against 150,000 guys on crystal meth. That's probably brutal, right? <laughs> Guy just fucking running at you like this. What the fuck? <laughs> Although it is at the end of the day the French's fault because two other things I didn't know. Mm. So when they start this fucking attack on the southern end of it, the Germans have put themselves. There's so much. There's so many fucking tanks and trucks and shit. There was like a sixty mile fucking traffic <laughs> jam of, of military mm-hmm. equipment on this one road. So the French could have just bomb the fuck out of Germany, uh, out of their out of their entire armored divisions and all their artillery and shit. Mm-hmm. It all could have been wiped out day one, and Germany would have had to surrender. Their fucking reconnaissance planes told the French government that this was the case. They didn't fucking believe them. <laughs> they didn't believe them, dinks. And they didn't even have fucking phones or radio or anything. So the fucking guy making the military decision was in Paris or just outside of Paris yeah. in a room with no phone because he thought it was a security risk. So, like, to get a fucking message to him took, like, three days. So he finds out about this, doesn't believe him. They fucking don't do anything. And fucking just give them time to just get all their shit up there. It's incredible. 
And I didn't know this either. Their military is way bigger than Germany's at the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. And had they attacked, would wipe Germany up. And they'd suddenly dug into like trenches and shit, just waited for Germany to come kick their ass. Right, in a in a terrible, like... Like the Maginot Line. Yeah, and, a terrible formation. Yeah, so, and <laughs> yeah. it just got dive-bombed by the fucking Luf- mm-hmm. Lufthansa or whatever and fucking Luf-Lava. just got annihilated. And so they made every mistake you could make. And the other side was on crystal mask. Javier. No you- chance. Javier. I feel like you're victim blaming now. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like the Cardinals when they had to play against Lawrence Taylor. Mm. <laughs> Twice a year. <laughs> that was you. Oh, they got a man. bunch of that fucking coaches and shit that don't Dude. know what they're doing and the fucking other teams on Crystal Map. There is nothing worse than the Sunday afternoon, like anyone versus the cardinals on local television because we always had the yeah. afc we always had the nfc east game yeah. so yeah well and when you guys used to suck back in the day mm-hmm. in the old foxborough and shit yeah. i remember living in connecticut i got new york and new england all the i got all the networks in both new york and new england feeds because of where i lived in connecticut in fairfield county so i would get all the giant so it was like having the package because i'd get yeah. the new england game yeah and i'd get so you guys are playing like Cincinnati at four o'clock. You're like fuck, <laughs> that's a gem. You're like fuck. <laughs> Guess I'll watch the fucking Jets or Giants, like or whoever's on the on the New York feed because you can't watch this. That's true. Imagine, <laughs> ba- remember back in the day when you're a Pats fan, the Pats were terrible. That's like the one game you got at four o'clock. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I think I've told this story before. It, it could be a total like drugged out dream I had in in college or something like that, but. I'm telling you, Hav, when I was a kid, I, wa- I was watching a game. It was the Giants and the Pats. I'm pretty sure it was in New York. And the Patriots was one of the miserable, like, two-win, three-win seasons. And they were driving late against, oh, yeah. the, against the Giants. <laughs> and the Giants fans were, like, legit cheering on the Pats because that's yeah. how fucking bad the Pats were. And they get all the way down to, like, the one and they fucking can't get it in. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> I do remember. I mean, I'm sure that's not exactly how it I'm happened. I'm sure but that's I do true. Remember that's something probably that during the fucking yeah. Parcells era, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, pa- the Patriots were fucking horrible. Though. No, it was before the Parcells. It was, this was before Parcells. No, Parcells in New York. I'm oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, late, I'm sure, late 80s. Oh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's the so fucking he was still wheelhouse. There. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, was, they were awesome. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. wheelhouse giants. Yeah, yeah. Wheelhouse Giants. So, yeah. So I was astounded. I did not know the entire French, the entire German infantry was on crystal meth. That's fucking nuts. That it's is a, crazy. Also, great idea. They give it to the Eastern Front too. Hell, that was well. I'm misery. sure. I mean, they probably I'm sure did. They did. I'm yeah. sure. You know, I haven't gotten that far in this new documentary, but yeah, yeah. In that, so imagine facing like 150,000 guys on fucking crystal meth. Did it talk about did, fucking did, crazy? Did it talk about um, <laughs> that they base the fucking Hitler basically invited the president of Sudankistan at the time for a meet like to come come meeting while he was on the train over? They basically like took yeah, over. They invaded. <laughs> Take over. So it's like, it's well, like, hey man, we just uh, we just invaded. Well, you country. know what's weird? How fucked up the world was. Like France and France and and, and England basically like gave away parts of countries to other countries, mm-hmm. and they just had to like eat it. So. Yeah, it was like a trade. Hitler took out <laughs> took the, like the outer rim of Czechoslovakia, which is German speaking. There's yep. like this outter sort of rim of it, and so they t- appeased Hitler. That fucking stupid thing that uh, yep. Neville Chamberlain signed, or uh, that's not right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the thing yeah. he's holding up when he gets back to. Yeah, so that yeah. was that was that you know Hitler promised not to invade the rest of the Czechoslovakia. Right. Then, like, you know, which he immediately did. invaded <laughs> right. the rest of Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> yeah, the the crystal uh, meth thing was I could I, I was a, like that's a I mean, that's it, a crazy story. It definitely like makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But holy, that's a crazy God. story. Yeah. Three days, like it should have taken two weeks or three fucking days. Mm-hmm. Fucking no sleep for three days, just fucking straight up crystal meth for three days. <laughs> Jeez. But honestly, if I'm in like World War II fucked up combat Probably like that, what I want to be man. on I want to yeah. be on Crystal Man. <laughs> yeah, I want to be on something. Like I don't want to be scared, right? I want to mm. feel like invincible and powerful and shit. Sure. Crocodilly. <laughs> Isn't that the, like the zombie That's shit? You eat your fucking arm and shit. <laughs> like eat yourself to death. Drop some bath salts and roll. <laughs> well, I guess Crystal Meth, like you're functional though. Mm. You're not just like fucking drugged out like I'm You the are. Floor. No, like, you're you're, ve- you're very functional. You know, when I used it most. <laughs> <laughs> When I was on it with Jethro for about three yeah. years, you know? I turned to Jethro Tull. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> Changed my name to Tito and just had a blast. <laughs> yeah, so that was my interesting nugget of uh, new information for the day. That's cool, man. Oh. That is a war that I just, you learn more and more and more and more and more about. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, anyways, glad we started a new one yesterday. <laughs> We're back. America's back to America's war. America's back. Let's baby. rock. America. <laughs> so, uh, oh, let's get to our interview. How could I do? Since we've uh, rambled on, I'm sure we want to say a few things after it as well. So let's get to our interview again. Uh, we had the chance to speak to uh, Siraj Hashmi before uh, we did this uh, this recording, but uh, he spoke a lot about, well, everything that's kind of going on in America right now. So really fun interview. I also fucked up the beginning uh, of the recording, so it is a little botched up to begin with, but uh, it is you won't miss a question. So there you go. But BL's got his fucking bike shorts on hiked up <laughs> tight tonight today. I look forward to checking in with that. <laughs> anyway anyways, here's our interview with Siraj. It's very odd how the how Twitter has completely helped, I think further the the divide between the the two sides that really very few people probably truly are yeah it's warped people's perception of what real life is supposed to be like and i have i have to constantly remind myself that twitter is not real life you know people in the middle of the country people in in new england in maine like they're not concerned with like the you know minute debates happening on twitter whether somebody said the r word uh, on clubhouse is like a big deal. <laughs> like that is not, that's not something people are concerned about. They're concerned about main like a, just a couple of main things, like everyone else. Am I bringing enough money to pay my bills and pay the rent or pay the house, uh, pay the mortgage? Uh, am I putting in, uh, getting in enough money to put food on the table for me and my family? Uh, and basically is everything in the, like, is my neighborhood safe? Uh, do my, do like, I have a good job? Are my, my kids going to a good school? Like these are the, like, and, and even if they're not going to school, like, are they getting a decent enough education, like remotely? And because all these fucking teacher unions are decided that they wanted to uh, basically show in their hand and saying that they care more about themselves as teachers than they do about the children knowing full well that like kids aren't getting coronavirus they're not getting it like nearly as bad uh as say people 
uh, over the age of 65. Um, so like, what is there to worry about? The fact that you have people like Dr. Anthony Fauci come out and say like, yeah, it's not a realistic solution, a realistic uh, scenario that every teacher is gonna be vaccinated before you go back to school. I mean, think of the people that are teaching who simply don't want to get a vaccine? What, are they going to, you know, are they going to be denied uh, teaching kids if they're a great teacher? And if they're a shitty teacher, like, are they going to be, you know, allowed to go in uh, unvaccinated? I mean, it's just everything is is so dumb right now, and Twitter just really puts a focus and a spotlight on just how dumb our society is. Um, and the reason and that's why the list exists is because there's so many people that come out with takes that are uh, just so mind-numbingly stupid <laughs> regardless of like what you think their politics are like anyone can come up with a bad take i mean everybody asked me you know how many times has trump made the list like he's made it a lot um but i will say this he has said he before he got banned from Twitter and because he's banned from Twitter, he's no longer eligible for the list because the list works. Um, <laughs> because he had, I mean, he had his phone <laughs> taken away. Yeah. Like he set the bar himself so high because he tweets so much. And you know, it's it's funny a lot of the times, and I actually found his Twitter to be hilarious because he oftentimes would like he is the most online president we've ever had. He communicated on Twitter all the time. Um, he made Twitter a thing. He made it popular. He made it, uh, he, he officially caused Twitter to go from simply just like a friend, not a fringe social media platform, but like, a, you know, bubbling under the surface type of uh, social media platform to mainly detalk, like the discourse was happening on Twitter because the president of the United States was constantly on there. And it was great for for like us in the in in journalism and 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 in the media because like you get to like decipher every single tweet. And the best part about it, the best part about Trump's Twitter, I, I don't care who you are, whether you love or hate the guy, uh, he specifically uh, he knew how to use it. He, he used it well, and he there were many times where he deliberately posted something simply to trigger and own the libs and it was the funniest thing ever uh regardless of whether you think some of his takes were hot or not uh i on on his some of his hottest takes those are the ones that definitely got him on the list um but he raised the bar himself uh, for himself so much that uh he ended up it ended up being more difficult for him to get to higher spots on the list because i do a a one through 10 ranking every week. Um, and I will say this, just kind of, for those who are not familiar with the list, it's the list of uh, people who need their phones taken away. <laughs> um, and I used to do this, I started this actually um, as a result of George Conway, um, quote tweeting his wife, Kellyanne Conway, uh, in 20, <laughs> December, it was December 2nd, 2019, when it first started. It was my mom's birthday, like, by the way. Huh? I was just going to say it's my mom's birthday. Good day. Oh, hell yeah. Well, th <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Chris, to your mom for, right. for being born that day and right. sharing the birthday with the list. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, I was just going to say that uh, the reason it started is because um, Chris, uh, George Conway was airing like his dirty laundry or dunking on his wife in public, which is something you should never do. I don't know what the status of their marriage is. I don't care. You don't do that uh, in public on Twitter. And so basically i created the list and um it used to be a daily power ranking 
And then once the pandemic started, everybody was online. Like literally every single person was tweeting and I like it, it was killing me. So I switched it to weekly around March, April time. And it's been weekly ever since. So now it's gotten to the point where I've had tournaments. Like uh, I, I have uh, basically the worst takes of the year. I've had an all decade list. Um, and now I'm starting to do something this year which I didn't do last year. And that's basically like MVPs and worst tweets of the month. So January, our MVP was um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> nice. Um, and the, and because he had some really, really like, not even just like bad tweets, but simply cringeworthy tweets. And then the, the worst tweet was from the Chinese embassy in the United States in which they were basically diminishing the Uyghur genocide and called basically spinning uh the re-education camps and their whole their quote unquote like sterilization of Uyghur women and literally use the term uh to refer to Uyghur women as baby making machines I shit you not <laughs> one of the most insane things I've ever read and that happened literally the day after the Capitol Hill riot so Trump was going to be number one but then Chi the Chinese embassy in the United States tweeted that shit up and I was like uh yeah, this takes the cake, no question. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and Siraj, talk about uh, what you say, how stupid really uh, our society has become. I mean, it's devolved so far, so fast. And you're you're trying to deal with journalism in politics, which I, I think has eroded maybe more than anything else, right? And it's just, it's almost comic. Like, you look at this shit every day, and, and it's not basically kind of reality. If you're, if you're paying attention to shit that happened five minutes ago, 10 days ago, 20 days ago, I mean... None of it makes sense. It's all made up as we go along. And it's pretty disheartening, I think, for like most normal people who just want to get on with their fucking lives. And you're just constantly bombarded with with like you know, rage headlines, rage mail, uh, stupidity on both sides. It's just fucking mind numbing. And these are the people that are in charge. These are the people that are supposedly, you know, telling us what to do and that when we can uh, go out of our homes and when we can't. And I just in your mind. Why is it devolved so fast? I mean, I think the Trump effect is is a big part of this, but mm -hmm. I think that was this was coming before that. I mean, the avalanche yeah. of just bullshit that you deal with every day is unfucking believable. Yeah, one of the best things that President Trump did, and uh, I'm I'm very ambivalent on him. I I you know I try to uh, actually cover him objectively, but I will say the best thing that he ever did as president was expose the hypocrisy of uh, establishment media elite uh, like the media elite the legacy right. media the the mainstream media outlets that you see as well as um establishment politicians on both democratic and republican sides um exposing basically what their real priorities are and that is power uh they don't care about telling the truth they don't care about helping the american people they care about keeping power for themselves and trump was the biggest threat to them on that regard so that i think was one of the best things that he exposed and it's last it, it will last for years because um people have it's not like people have amnesia most people have pretty good memories and they will remember how people reacted during the trump years um i mean just look at this past week you have uh you, you know the washington post reports about these child uh migrant facilities that they uh basically you know sprout up where they're you know, 
holding 700 children between the ages of 13 to 17. Technically, they're teenagers, obviously, but still children in the eyes of basically everyone. Um, and you have White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki basically saying they're not cages. Right. Uh, it, during the Trump years, you had uh, a former acting uh DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen saying they're not cages, um, but then you have the, the best. The best like dichotomy is what you see AOC uh, Alexandria Castro Cortez say back in 2019, um, and how these were literally concentration camps, and then in 2021, uh, seeing her very. Obviously, she's condemning it, but it's a very tepid response compared to how she reacted to it in 2018, where she was literally standing outside right. of a <laughs> detention facility. The photo op, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was photographed of her crying Screaming. and uh, calling these concentration camps. And then and then she comes out with this response saying this is not OK, never will be OK, no matter the party or administration. And then, like, includes a couple other tweets in the thread and like, that's it. That's all we're getting. She's not calling for for Biden to resign. She's not calling for the impeachment of Biden. Uh, and you you kind of have to wonder uh, what was the point of all that stuff beforehand? Because once you start owning, once you start calling these things concentration camps, you own that shit. That is something that you can't then walk back and be like, oh, they're not concentration camps anymore. You know, they're simply just migrant housing facilities for these children. And, uh, you know, they don't have they they have they might have like steel bars on them, but they're not cages. They're not cages. <laughs> so it's just uh, you know, that is the that is the one thing I think uh, Trump exposed the best. And um, uh, and Twitter has created sort of a public record of all that because, I mean, of course, unless you delete all your tweets, uh, most of the stuff is archived uh, in some way, shape, or form. So there's very little that actually gets through the cracks. Um, I will say this: I deleted all of my tweets prior to 2019, simply because because um, I'm, I'm my full time job, my nine to five is I'm uh, I'm a, with the Washington Examiner. Yep. And I make videos and stuff like that. I do a podcast, hashing it out, and that comes out weekly. And so it's a it's a cool show. It's something I started up in 2019. Um, but in the only the only tweets I kept before 2019. Um, were two things. One, I tweeted out basically an engagement photo of me and my now wife, uh, which you know was 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 obviously. Um, you can't delete that. I can't delete that. No, no not at all. <laughs> no. But um, and and it was a very cool photo. It was right in front of uh, the the Capitol. Of course, a very DC way to propose. <laughs> um, but it was at night when no one else was there. It was cold as shit uh, in the middle of December, <laughs> right after a Christmas party. Um, but the other thing I did keep, and this is one of my, uh, a couple of other things were my tweets from midterm election day that uh, I think were, were really funny, particularly in which um, Beyonce and Rihanna were endorsing, uh, first of all, Rihanna endorsed Andrew Gillum for governor of Florida. Gillum lost to Ron yep. DeSantis. And then um, Beyonce endorsed uh, Beto O'Rourke for Senate against Ted Cruz. Of course, Beto lost. But what was interesting is that Rihanna actually endorsed uh, uh, Andrew Gillum maybe like three or four days, like the weekend before midterm election. And I took that and said, basically, like, Beyonce's silence on Beto is deafening <laughs> and literally attracted the entire uh, agency. 
like literally the the bee, the beehive came after me <laughs> saying like bitch who are you like you think she's gonna listen to you and then like literally four hours before polls closed um beyonce posted on instagram her endorsement of of beto o'rourke and i posted those two tweets side by side the, the my tweet from about rihanna and then her post, uh, Beyonce's Instagram post, and I said, my methods are unorthodox, but effective. <laughs> and that, the bee, the beehive went fucking insane. They could not, they like, were like, you think she listens to you? I'm like, well, I guess she does. It's mean, just some, like, this is the level, I, I know it's kind of a tangent, but like, the, these are just some of my favorite moments about Twitter is that like, you literally can post anything and make literally anyone angry at you and i just soak it up this is one of the fun and that's where like the list kind of drove i don't think that drove me to make the list but like it is one of those things where uh it certainly makes it more fun is when everybody's mad at you and you're just deliberately poking the bear even more oh dude i i, I can relate i actually i i sent a message at a, a friend of ours who's an assistant coach of the celtics he's canadian and after the u.s beat them in like hockey in the olympics and curling in the same day, I tweeted to him that, what else can we beat you at? And I had the whole fucking country of Canada after me. Uh, and, it, you know, people sending, like, gun control, health care, blah, blah, blah. Wow. It's like, like, you can't even talk shit about sports anymore on Twitter. Oh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But, yeah, BuzzFeed re read ab uh, wrote about it. I was like, what is going on? It was That's like, it was so kind funny. of just like a, a, a semi-public joke. shows you, like, yeah. if BuzzFeed is writing about it, and this happened, what, how long ago? It was this 18. Happened, what, within the last month? Oh, uh, no, this 18. is 2018, yeah. 2018. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. I mean, like, that just kind of shows you, like, the sensationalism of journalism today. Yeah. And you're seeing it exposed even more in the post-Trump years. You see in, like, The Atlantic write articles like, I miss the thrill of Trump. I know. And, and <laughs> like that headline the getting roasted. And, and that writer getting roasted. You know, people roasting the fuck out of that headline and that writer to the point where they have to change the headline to saying, I was an enemy of the people, like, now you miss the thrill of Trump. Right. We yeah. get it. Yeah. You're thirsty. You're thirsty for him. You miss him. And like journalist, like Trump was so right about like these about media missing him. They miss him so much. Things are so boring comparatively because literally every like five minutes you get a you get a breaking news alert from you know MSNBC or CNN saying Trump tweeted X Y and Z and them losing all their fucking minds. Like Biden will be you know he's already proven to be a pretty bad president only a month into his tenure uh considering the fact that he's now putting kids back in cages and nobody has their stimmies no, so and nobody's going to school no one's going to school <laughs> he's beholden to the teacher unions and uh basically we're entering back in the global packs and, and giving you know money to the paris climate accord and possibly getting in the uh, nuclear deal with Iran again. Like it's literally uh, an Obama admin redux, except now we have a pandemic and Biden doesn't know how to govern. And it's just like, he's basically catered to all the special interests, all the corporatists. Like, I don't think Biden is a socialist. I think he is a corporatist. He, he cares mo mostly about his buddies on wall street and K street. Um, and um, he only cares about like, you'll see the nominations coming in. Like, None of them are progressives. None of them are like people that uh, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party really care about. In fact, he the 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 candidate for the Office of Management and Budget, Neera Tannen, who is the president of the Center for America Progress, a, a huge Hillary Clinton acolyte. Her nomination is probably going to tank. 
Um, but the Biden administration still wants to retain her in some capacity in his administration. Like, usually that's a sign that, like, if you're not popular in the Senate, um, there's a good chance you're probably also not popular within uh, the administration. So, you know, who's to say what's actually going to happen? But it sounds like they're basically just a bunch of center left corporatists who um, only care about uh, keeping the wealth and power for themselves. And uh, they they don't care about the American people. You know, uh, it's interesting you say that, you know, the, the permanent record on Twitter, although we do know that a lot of uh, journalistic entities have gone back and changed stories and, and gone back in time and, and rewritten stories to fit the modern narrative, rewritten tweets. And the control that that, that side of things is looking to really sort of impose on, on general society. Censorship, and I really think both sides are into censorship. I think they just fight about what to censor, but... Uh, the idea of censorship and then, the, you know, the House going after cable companies to try and, you know, shit can Fox and and, and, and all these type of outlets. Um, is there enough people? Are there enough people to fight back to 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 prevent this? I mean, do you, are you optimistic of that or because you have the complacency of NBC News and ABC News? I mean, the biggest news entities basically in the world, the New York Times, all pulling on the same rope. Do you think there's enough of us, enough resistors out there that these people ultimately will be held accountable? Because when you look at. The last year with the BLM riots and then what you know what happened at the Capitol and the completely different narrative surrounding those two things and the BLM uh, riots were painted as peaceful while buildings are burning down right in the Capitol riots is uh, painted as insurrection. Then this new term of insurrection, this new idea that opposing your government is somehow you know punishable by the government in draconian totalitarian ways. Is there enough of a resistance to fight all this shit back? I mean, sometimes it feels like there's not. Well, yeah, I mean, like, the, it, obviously, it's a very complicated subject and trying to sort of draw a comparison between um, the BLM protests and the riots and then the insurrection on Capitol Hill, because uh, they aren't they are very simple issues. Um, they are very complex and there are multiple different uh, factions and entities within each group that have different aims and goals and have a different agenda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the protests over the summer, they were largely peaceful, but the ones that did get reported on as riots, that was obviously a small but very loud minority. Um, and in the same token and fashion, just like the insurrectionists on Capitol Hill, that was a very small but very vocal minority of the largely Trump-supporting protesters that were peaceful in Washington, D.C. that day. So... You know, these movements get hijacked for very nefarious purposes. You don't know 100% um, whose goals are what. Um, but there are people who simply just want to create chaos. And because chaos creates uh, lawmakers to react in some way, shape, or form. I mean, look, just after the January 6th insurrection, they're talking about, you know, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Hillary Clinton had uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on her podcast talking about, you know, building a truth and reconciliation commission or some shit like that, or even like talking about, you know, another Patriot Act to go after the people that were responsible for the Capitol Hill insurrection. So you, it's almost like people only do stuff to make everything worse for everyone else. And um, <laughs> it's true. It, I mean, it is true. And you wonder what their, their main goals are because then you start to think uh, then, you know, who is really behind all this, who stands to gain the most from chaos happening. And usually it's the people at the top because they end up keeping their power. 
I mean, I was I think I was talking with uh, uh, Bridget Fetisi about this uh, a few weeks uh, back uh, um, about the the Capitol insurrection, and um, Bridget, who's a comedian out in Los Angeles, um, doesn't really focus on like the individual nitty gritty, but sort of like the big picture on uh, where society's heading and how politics sort of fits into all of it. And she made a very great point about how you know the insurrection came at a very interesting time because as soon as people started getting fed up with politicians in general both democratic and republican considering that a lot of the the talk was not really about the election but mostly about coronavirus relief as soon as you had that quote coming out from nancy pelosi that she waited on a, a, co a covid relief bill until after the election because Joe Biden winning the presidency for her was a game changer, realizing she put off, uh, you know, relief to, you know, millions of Americans um, in order for political gain. Like, as soon as the insurrection happened, then it became a left versus right battle instead of a, uh, a, uh, the, the, like the lower like lower classes, like the non-political elite versus the political elite. So having, dividing the people up is the best way that the ruling elite can uh, keep us from, or I guess dividing the people is the best way that the ruling elite can stay in power. And uh, when you think of it that way, a lot of the division starts to make sense. The partisan attacks, they start to make sense because how else are you going to keep people distracted from the sins of the politicians um, than by having that, by sicking basically your followers onto their followers? And so that's kind of how I look at um, what we, what we're dealing with right now and the resistance in terms of bringing about, you know, you know, fighting whatever whatever changes they want to bring about, whether it be through deplatforming OAN or um, Fox News or or the like. I mean, once you open up that can of worms, that Pandora's box, then basically anything's subject to be removed. I mean, we we once you start creating a standard, everyone starts to have to has to live by that standard. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, given the direction that we're heading. Of course, everybody talks about 1984. Um, but I really could see like some ministry of truth, like, pop Absolutely. Up because, oh yeah, no question. Uh, yeah. just because like everybody is so we live in now like a post-truth world where there's one set of facts and another set of facts and nobody can agree on what set of facts to, um, you know, like they, they can't come to a consensus, a middle ground of what the facts should be. And so there's a lot of cognitive dissonance and I feel like people start to act, they act before thinking and that's, what's getting a lot of people in trouble. And um, again, that's why largely why the list exists is because people act before thinking. <laughs> um, but now we're seeing it more. I mean, we've always seen it sort of at a policy level where politicians just, you know, think they're going to, you know, do uh, X, Y, and Z and think that's going to like help, you know, help and create the problem, you know, help uh, solve the problem, but they end up creating like three new problems as a result. So it's, it's not uh, a road. I think um, we as Americans should be heading. It's certainly not our priority. Um, I mean, we still have to get schools back open. We have to get businesses back open. Everyone has to get vaccinated. 
I mean, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. Herd immunity is just where we need to get to. Um, I would never promote everyone getting vaccinated, but I understand that, you know, some people um, probably feel safer with, with taking the vaccine. And it's just, um, you know, given the messaging coming from the White House when it comes to sort of the vaccination rollout and, and where we stand as a society and getting back to normal, um, I think there is, uh, you know, while everyone wants to get back to a sense of normal, there is no, uh, I, I don't think there's like a cohesive message coming from the White House that um, they want everything to be fully back to normal. It's almost like that they want to keep us down in yeah. some way, shape or form. Yeah. And that's, I guess, a little bit more concerning than anything. Yeah, they seem to be invested in the pandemic as as a tool to be able to sort of control what people do. I mean, uh, all of this seems fairly intentional at the end of the day, right? I mean, it can't be there can't be this many coincidences that hurt one that really, honestly, if you look at it, have hurt poor people the most. You look at you look at general society. Rich people are working. Rich people are sending their kids to school. Rich people are socializing. Rich people are going on vacation. Poor people are doing none of those things. So yeah. it seems intentional to me that your policies 100% of the time hurt the people who are the most vulnerable. I mean, it, it can't be a coincidence. And it's and it's not just poor people. I mean, the NBC News published a study at the end of the year, uh, end of 2020 saying that the school closings um, have hurt uh, not only poor people, but mostly black and Latinos uh, in the United States. And it's just amazing to sort of like uh, parallel that with, you know, the Chicago teachers union saying that opening the schools up is a form of white supremacy. Like, where the fuck do you get that? It's just, it, it's insane. It, it, it is literally uh, the, everything that they uh, believe that they are against, they're indirectly supporting because uh, schools have been closed for so long. And look, I have, uh, I have nieces and nephews. Um, I have uh, a niece and nephew uh, in Virginia who are going back to school already. They've been back to school since the fall. Um, but like Maryland, uh, just across the river from from me, and in, uh, in, in Montgomery County, uh, you have the teachers the teachers union there having a goddamn parade, saying how much they don't want to go back to school because it's uh, like they're putting their their safety in jeopardy, like. COVID rates here in, 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 the, in D.C. aren't that bad. In fact, they're worse. It's particularly, they're, they're fine. In, they're, they're better in Maryland, better in Virginia. D.C. is, is, is kind of middle of the road right now, but like it's largely getting under control. And with the vaccine rollout, like there is a lot of reason to hope. And I don't understand why we're still seeing these displays of like defiance from teachers right now like if you're so scared just get a fucking vaccine right well and also <laughs> since day one teachers unions have fought to keep schools closed not open them which is directly in contrast to what they're supposed to be about which is completely fucked up yeah. secondly everyone else is working i mean some people working at supermarkets restaurants the airport yeah tons of i mean why, why imagine if there was a grocery store work, right imagine imagine if there was a union for grocery store workers and they just decided we're not going to go to work because uh we're afraid of dying uh think of how that would cripple our society like we've sure. been so dependent on grocery stores even more so over the past year because 
of you know food shortages, you know toilet paper and paper towel shortages, hand, you know hand sanitizer, soap, you name it, uh, cleaning supplies. Like all of us would be basically beholden to Amazon, uh, and I, I would say that's probably a, there's a greater reliance on Amazon now. But I'm saying even more so than already if the grocery stores were simply just not open. And um, well, it, it's just really, the, the, the teachers are just proving how non-essential they actually are. Uh, and there are actually online academies that, that children can actually learn from um, and get the same education, probably even a better education than if they were going to school. And teachers, you know, they just, they simply do not uh, care for their students the way they say they they do and it's it's sad to see mm-hmm. um, but this is mainly public school teachers like it is. private yeah. schools and charter schools are functioning and people and students are in are either going to school full-time or at least part-time in person and you know obviously not every every single like part of the country has it great some better than others and those particular, uh, states and localities are, you know, putting in the, uh, they're implementing the, the precautions that they think are necessary, but like, it's, it's almost come to the point where this has become such a nationalized issue that we almost assume that's happening on a wide scale basis where it's really not, it's only like a few localities where it's actually happening. Even the Chicago teachers union had agreed to go back to school, uh, before like Maryland and before, uh, I, I mean, New York was going before Chicago, but you're still seeing like people here in, in Maryland uh, and DC, like, you know, sort of like stray away from going back to school. Like it really doesn't have to be that way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we talk about it, how, you know, everybody's just so focused on themselves. And it really sounds like out of all of this, teachers just will come out of this with a worse uh, reputation than they did going into it. Siraj, I appreciate you taking so much time here. I hope we didn't, uh, we're not going too long with you here, no, but no, okay, fine. cool. Um, I did have this question uh, about going back to the list and we'll, I'll tie it into sports since we're all sports guys here, but yeah. how many times has Mike Florio been on the list? Uh, Mike Florio has not been on the list. I don't think a single time. Really, really? pro football talk. What about as pro football talk? Uh, not as pro football talk either. Okay. okay. Um, I think the reason for that, and I've only seen a few really hot takes from sports, <laughs> uh, personalities. There was one individual, uh, I think he tweeted something about the Cubs. Um, I want to say sometime last year, I can't actually remember. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and try to find this right now. Um, <laughs> because it was one of those things where like, you couldn't, you, you couldn't really, uh, I don't know. If, oh, this is it. Uh, it was from Bob Nightingale. Uh, <laughs> and this was in June, uh, June 10th of last year. He says the Cubs draft Ed Howard. Yes. Showing action instead of hallow words. And I think that was in direct response to, um, you know, like the George Floyd killing. Right. Oh God. Oh. Uh, and I don't know why exactly they they like implied that they drafted him specifically for his race. (laughs) (laughs) So 
that's amazing how ra- it's amazing how racist you can be when you're trying not to be racist yeah and so bob nightingale is a, a he is a baseball writer for usa today sports oh, yeah. yep um and um that that was the that was the, the one that really sticks out uh darren uh darren rovell or oh Darryl, yeah yeah he's made the list quite a few times simply because he goes off of the uh, literally goes off on tangents um that have nothing to do with sports like i think uh right after the lakers won the nba finals he made the list for saying how uh lebron was like the most uh influential person in sports because the election is only like six weeks away or something like that or four weeks away or three weeks away i can't even remember but it was something stupid like that and of course uh rovell also tweeted something in response to uh the pandemic and how we all had this shelter in place and i think he basically brought up a um he brought up a uh, comparison to uh anne frank um oh, of the holocaust and then i just was go. like yeah there was no reason to bring her into this <laughs> <laughs> all right Siraj, uh, uh before we let you go here uh, run down how people could find you uh, not only the list but the, you got a ton of stuff going on you mentioned yeah the, the yeah podcast, i do have a ton of stuff going on I'll, power I'll, I'll try to be i'll try <laughs> if you want to just find it all you can find me on twitter at siraj a hashmi that's s-i-r-a-j-a-h-a-s-h-m-i um that on my bio you can find pretty much all the links of course, I have a couple of Patreons. One Patreon's for the list. One of the Patreons is for Habibi Bros. That's the podcast I do with uh, Jay uh, Mujahid Kobe, who's my uh, Habibi in arms. And then I have um, uh, also, uh, you can find my work at the Washington Examiner, um, my podcast, Hashing It Out. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on basically any podcast app that you use, um, as well as Habibi Bros. If you look up Habibi Bros, that's on there as well. Um, but I appreciate the love and I appreciate the plug and, uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead and, uh, and, and hit me up anytime. Well, we appreciate it. Really appreciate, uh, the brand you're building there. It's a lot of fun and entertaining and, and calling out all the bullshit that not enough people out there are calling out. No, I appreciate it, it, it guys. It gives us hope. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I've had a number of blue check journals telling me that it is a public service and that I can't quit it. So well, there was, you go. You're stuck forever. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to divulge their names, but there were some pretty big names. in there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Siraj. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate take care. It. All right. Bye bye. Once again, uh, thanks to Siraj for joining us here today. Uh, check him out online at Siraj A. Hashmi. You'll get all of the uh, the quotes or quotes, the links and all that fun stuff there. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, Javier. At times, it was like being in the middle of a Javier sandwich. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like it just barely like I'd love to talk to him for like six hours straight. I'm sure. It's yeah, barely, you guys would like, do well. Scratch the surface of like all the shit that drives me crazy. I didn't even really get. I wasn't really able to even get into a lot of it. Oh, I'm sure we'll have him back at some yeah. point. Uh, it's super nice of him to come yeah, on and, awesome. and talk about. It. But he's a great follow. He's just fun. Even honestly, you don't have to be. You don't even have to be that into politics because some of the things he's just talking about with the list is just well, it's like common sense stupidity. So it's fun. But anyways, again, thanks to, uh, to him for joining us. And yeah, it's brings up a lot of good points. Sadly, Javier, we recorded this just before we went back to war. Yeah, that would have been another interesting topic. But honestly, I mean, you know, he and I are obsessed with the same thing, which is just the fucking rampant hypocrisy and complete bullshit world we live in. I mean, it's it's just it's just depressing, man. Like you said, mm-hmm. like it's just depressing how stupid everybody is. Yeah.
Yeah, and how sh- and how sure themselves everybody is at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's what touching. Like the the super smug idiotic comment on Twitter is just I'm just like really like you say there's all the self assuredness and like smugness in the world and you're just so fucking stupid it like boggles the mind. So I yeah dude, I, I, I definitely felt a kinship with him because I feel like we we're both driven crazy by the same shit. Well, humans fucking suck. Well, it just and it's also like the, the the like the willingness to tear down your society for momentary gain and power mm. and victory. I mean that is. It's the most disingenuous, fucked up thing in the world, and, and that's all we have now, right? It's yeah. like everyone's willing to sell out every principle they have and every principle this country is founded on, or or family, or everything, to like momentarily win an argument. Like it's not worth the the, the fucking toll. Like the damage isn't worth the end result. Like, you can't just like you know like burn down half the country or, or storm the capital. Where all these stupid things are going on. Like it's not worth like all this bullshit isn't worth like the momentary fucking victory that you're gonna have. But that's where you're wrong. Because Javier, kids are not in cages anymore. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, he is right about that. You know, the blowback of all the bullshit they talked about for four years. Yep. You know, people are holding them to that standard, which is shocking to me. And I wonder how long that lasts. But the fact that, like, this presidency is off to such a horrible start mm-hmm. and, like, really a fucking disaster in so many ways, I think has really kind of forced people to, to start asking, you know, or start pointing out the same shit they're pointing out about previous administrations. Because... Like you imagine, we're not like we're not stupid, right? Like, and so it is. It's a, and that's why I wonder at the end of the day, like, are there more of us or are there more of the people that watch TV and believe everything they see? I don't know. That's gonna be that's debatable. A, yeah, that's the problem. Is yeah. you know which which fucking way is this gonna sure. go? And sure, I have my doubts. <laughs> I had my doubts for a long time. Anyway. um, yeah, again, a great interview. We look forward to talk to him again. I will uh, say this. We uh, we got to play some baseball before the show. So yeah, we do. people, we love you, but we got baseball to play. I'm going to end it here on this great tweet that from Vernon Maxwell talking about the Jazz being excited about their record so far. It's understandable to brag and celebrate having the best record in February when your franchise's biggest compliment accomplishment is food poisoning MJ. <laughs> that was fucking funny as shit. <laughs> Apparently Vernon Maxwell hates Utah and there's like a big battle between the two. So Why? Why is he I don't know. It? I don't know the his- the complete history there. I'm going to have to go look it up. That's awesome though. Yeah, yeah I saw that tweet too. Left my ass. So. Yeah, Vernon Maxwell rules. <laughs> Anyways, uh, find us on many places. Find us at that uh, wow, at B Strength Pod. There we go. You can always email us brutestrengthpod at gmail.com. Listener questions next week? Yeah, let's been about a month yeah, or so. Let's do that. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, we'll do listener questions next week. We always do listener questions, but uh, f- uh, definitely for next week at or uh, at B Strength Pod and Brute Strength Pod at gmail.com. Follow us at Havelhoff at Chris Sedanka as well. And you can catch this show, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple IT or Apple Pods, excuse me, and Stitcher. And wherever I'm sure other places that just you know rip off our show, which is fine. <laughs> really give a fuck. Buy our t-shirts. Check them out. Yes, HobbsandDanks.SellMyTees.com. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everybody. All right, we're out here with a little uh, little philium. Give me a little touch of an invisible touch.